from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Our telephone number, if you want to join our national conversation, this late-night town hall, you're welcome to do so. The phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337, and you're always welcome to chime in on our legacy line. So a lot of uh, news today, some very depressing, disturbing, upsetting news. We've got the... Very, very sad news about a school shooting in Nashville. And um, you've you've heard, I'm sure by now, you've heard from the police chief. I have a clip of that that I'm going to play for you. Uh, but it, it's, it's so unfortunate that we have to go through this every now and again. Not that we have to go through, right? That these things happen. And as they happen, it, it's also unfortunate the way that we respond, right? There's there's a part of our, our community, our society, our, our the world that we live in that says, oh, my gosh, it's all of you evil gun owners. You guys did this. If we didn't have an addiction to guns in this country, you know, if there wasn't access to guns, nobody would do it. This is a uniquely American problem. And then, you know, you have the other side um, that's saying things like, look, it's it's good guys with guns. It's not bad guys with guns. And listen, I'm a, I'm a gun guy. So uh, I, I support the Second Amendment all day, every day. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I like it when these things happen. And it means I hate it when politicians really try to politicize these things. And, and lamentably, this is what we see whenever we have a tragedy like this. Everybody jumps on the bandwagon to say, hey, look, it's because of you. It's because of you and your addiction to guns. It's because of you and your, uh, your, your, your Second Amendment lunacy. So we're going to continue this conversation tonight and uh, try to get to the bottom of things, because to me, this is really about good and evil, right? It's not about it's not about uh, the right for someone to lawfully own a gun. It's not it. That's not what happens. There's lots of lawful gun owners and they don't go shooting anything other than, you know, blank targets most of the time. So we're going to continue that conversation and we're going to get to that. But I do want to give you this clip from the police chief, John Drake. I'm sorry. No. This is, yeah, John Drake, Chief of Police, Metropolitan Nashville Police Department, uh, as of uh, 3 o'clock today. What I know at this point is at 10.13 today, uh, officers responded to a shots fired call uh, to Covenant School. It's a church school. Uh, officers immediately uh, responded. A uh, team of five immediately went in the school, uh, went to where uh, gunshots were being heard, and engage uh, the suspect. We have identified the suspect right now, uh, tentatively a 28-year-old female white. Uh, we know the address of that person as well, and so we have some ongoing investigations um, as to that. We have three adult victims, and we have three children who have been identified and their families have been contacted. So the identity of the Nashville Covenant Christian School shooter has been revealed to be that of Audrey Hale, a biological female that identifies as male. The Metropolitan Nashville Police Department said on Monday, I'm 
giving you this from the post. At least this is how it's being reported in the post millennial. Um, if that's wrong, that's what it is. Uh, but fatally shot three students and three adults at the Covenant School. Uh, again, 28 years old and was believed to be a former student there. Now, this is um, unfolding and, you know, diff- I'm hearing different things from different places. But again, I'm giving you this from the post-millennial uh, of a little while ago. And I, I think this is, again, problematic in so much as we um, we shouldn't have these problems. And, and uh, there's a lot of reac- reactions and answers to this, right? There's going to be we have to harden the schools. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure we do. There's going to be uh, all sorts of things that we have to do here. Uh, I think focusing on why we have all sorts of violence that's more prevalent now, not just this type of violence, uh, but all the violence that we see in, in our major cities, all, we're just seeing more and more people have less and less regard for life. And that's just a fact. And all of the politicians, of course, are jumping uh, at the opportunity to chime in on this. And uh, not the least of which is our president, Joel Baboso Biden. Now, President Biden was at the Women's Business Summit at the White House today and, of course, um, opens up his comments uh, with with humor, uh, interestingly, uh, because it was kind of odd that this would actually be the way he would open up his comments instead of um, directly addressing the shooting. But he opens up before the shooting about ice cream and good-looking kids, and he goes on uh, on this, uh, this weird rant that I would think you'd go straight into into the the biggest story of the day, um, especially when people are looking to hear from their president before he gets into you know why we need to to ban. Um, Assault weapons, which are already banned, by the way. But anyway, let's listen to um, cut number seven, Biden uh, discussing ice cream. Go right ahead. My name is Joe Biden. (laughs) I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. (laughs) And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. (laughs) By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. (laughs) I think I'm kidding. I'm not. Ben, how are you, pal? One of the best guys in the United States Congress, Ben Cardin. (laughs) Folks, uh, it's a delight to have you all here. And who are those good-looking kids back there? (laughs) They're your kids, all four of them? Well, stand up, guys. John, we'll jump back in here. Um, yeah. Uh, considering um, the moment, um, we were, we were a told that the shooting pre- yeah. that just happened uh, left three children dead, uh, three adults dead, shooters dead, and we were told he would be addressing this f- off the top. Yeah, it's uh, rather surprising. I thought that a somber President Biden would have come to the podium here and addressed the school shooting. So that, those are the um, anchors at Fox News that were rather shocked. Um, as I guess all of America was when they heard Biden giving this news. I guess may- maybe somewhere, somehow, he's going to say he might not have known, but moments later he goes into why we need to stop uh, all assault weapons from existing. And again, assault weapons are already banned. I'll play that audio for you a little bit later on. Uh, we're going to get to that. But I want to talk about this divide, the divide between good and evil and what's going on in our country and how that's spilling into so many areas, not just uh, in our politics, but in our churches. 
and uh, we're going to connect with Doctor, excuse me, Pastor Robert Jeffers to discuss that straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. this situation reportedly had two assault weapons and a pistol, two AK-47. So I call on Congress again to pass my assault weapons ban. It's about time that we begin to make some more progress. Of course, that's President Joe Biden making his comments on gun control, uh, saying we need more gun control. It's more gun control that's going to fix this uh, horrific problem. And uh, our guest is a senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas, where you can hear this program on KLIF. Uh, Dr. Robert Jeffers, welcome to the program, sir. Great to be with you, Rich. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, of course, we're going to have a conversation about all things good and holy, but I, I need to get your perspective on this divide that we have in our nation between what seems to me the divide between good and evil when we see these types of uh, tragedies that occur and how I think there's a demonization of, of, you know, I guess everybody wants answers. And for some politicians, they flock to gun control. For others, it's it's the defense. But I think the real issue here is is the heart, right? Depravity. Am I wrong? Absolutely. And this is ultimately not a gun issue. It's a heart issue. And one thing this tells us, what we witness today is evil is real. Uh, There is a real Satan, I believe. Jesus called him a destroyer, a murderer from the very beginning. And I think, you know, it appears sometimes that in the war between good and evil, evil is winning. But it's only a temporary win, Rich. The great message of Christianity, and this was a Christian school where this happened, the great Mm -hmm. historic message of Christianity is that death is not the end, that there is a resurrection awaiting those who know Christ. And one day when Christ returns, evil will be done away with forever. But until then, it's something we live with every day of our lives. You know, I, I look at what's happening here with good and evil in, in this in this situation today, and we see it happening throughout society in a lot of our large cities across the country. Uh, it seems to be permeating our politics uh, as of late, where it, it's not, it, I guess it's, I'm going to say, I feel like doing the wrong thing is becoming mainstream. And and I think it's up to, you know, those of us that fight in culture, that fight against, uh, you know, the new culture and try to hold on to old culture. Uh, those of us that are like yourself that are out there, um, you know, men of the cloth in the church that are doing what you have to do there. And it's called to, to that um, mission field, if you will. Uh, everybody's got to kind of step up their game in order to to fight that fight. Otherwise, I think we're, we're, we're going to lose. Or am I just being nihilistic? No, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, it's what Jesus commanded his disciples. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You know, rich salt in Jesus' day was a preservative. It didn't uh, prevent decay, but it delayed the decay. It gave the meat a longer shelf life until it had to be thrown out. And one reason God has left Christians here in this earth is to be a preservative, to push back against evil. 
uh, you know, ultimately, I believe the, the Bible teaches that there's going to be a one-world government, there's going to be an antichrist, a dictator, and then Christ is coming back. But until that time, we ought to push back against evil every opportunity we have. And that includes, you know, taking a stand in your local school board meeting. It involves voting. The leaders we elect determine the policies we follow, which determine the spiritual direction of our country. And it's too many Christians who have become lackadaisical that I think are responsible for the condition of the world today. You know, Pastor, uh, I love what you're saying because I think, you know, obviously you— you you run your church, you do what you have to do, you're called to this ministry, but you don't shy away from your civic duty, shy away from having an opinion on on things uh, in the public square. And I don't think that we're called to, to shy away from those things. I think we should embrace our worldview and have opinions on those things. But I think all too often people have tried to uh, kind of stay in their lane so much so that we're allowing, you know, we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Well, you know, this idea of the separation of church and state. The left has turned that into the separation of faith from public life. You know, liberals, they don't mind people worshiping in church. Most of them don't, as long as they keep their worship in their church. But they get nervous when Christians start trying to influence the world around them. And yet that's what Jesus said when he said to be salt. In order to be a preservative, the salt has to get out of the salt shaker and has to permeate the world. And I think we as Christians need to permeate school boards. We need to permeate permeate elected offices. We need to permeate the world of business and entertainment. That's the only way we're going to be effective. Yeah, I agree. Let me just remind everybody, we're on with Dr. Robert Jeffers. He's the uh, senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Dallas. He's also a, a Fox contributor. You've seen him there. Um, pastor Jeffers, let's, let's um, switch gears a little bit to... Uh, wokeism in religion. Um, you know, for years, and I, and I mean for years, right, there's been a, a movement of Marxists uh, with uh, their liberation theology where they've tried to, um, you know, not tried, they've, they've, you know, gotten into the church and there's been Marxism within the church. And it, it seems that that has grown and, and there are other movements afoot. Tell us what your perspective is of wokeism in religion today. Well, look, whether it's wokeism or what we used to call it, liberalism or progressivism, it's all the same thing. It is a contradiction of the Bible. You know, so many mainline denominations are in an uproar right now. They're splitting over issues, whether it's the Methodist Church or other denominations, the Catholic Church and so forth. And the basic issue is one that started at the beginning of time when Satan said to Eve, Has God really said? It all starts with the denial that the Bible is the true authoritative word of God. And let's just take this gender issue. You know, that's an example of wokeism. Have you ever wondered how that popped up so suddenly? That hadn't been with us forever at all. But it's a basic rebellion against what the Bible says. Jesus said in Matthew 19, have you not read God made them male and female? God is the one who assigns our gender. The psalmist said, we are his people. We did not make ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And I think uh, transgenderism right now is an ultimate rebellion against ultimately our creator who made us and made us male or female. So anyway, to answer your question, wokeism is just another way to describe a departure from the inerrant inspired word of God. 
Well, and you, you know, uh, and I, I appreciate um, how succinct you are in your answer, but I think something that you just said, it, it, to me, it gives a broader theme. And the theme is that a lot of this wokeism is nothing more than a perversion of what one would have seen in the scripture as accepted truth. That was always accepted truth, at least to people of faith, and and now is somehow being questioned. And I'm pretty sure has been questioned throughout, but not as much as it's been questioned now. And they say, you know, like you just pointed out, uh, gender is a great example, and, and there are others, marriage and other constructs. And, and I just wonder, is this in in effect a, an attack on religion? Is it uh, a movement pro secularism, or is does it have nothing to do with either? I think it's all of the above, and I think at the heart of it, uh, and Rich, I believe in a real Satan who has a real plan. He's trying to build a shadow empire to rival the kingdom of God. He's been trying to do it from the beginning, and uh, one way he does it is to cause people to doubt the truth of God's Word. I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, marriage. Look, God is the one who said, uh, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Uh, God created sex. It was his idea. He said it's to be between one man and one woman and the security of a marriage relationship. And any deviation from that, whether it's homosexuality, uh, adultery, uh, incest, those are all perversions, violations of God's original plan. And I think the church has been silent too long. We need to stand up and say, this is what God says, and I'm not apologizing for it. And I think weak, wimpy Christians are the explanation for why this culture is in the shape that it's in. Well put. Very well said. Uh, Our guest is Pastor Robert Jeffers, First Baptist Church of Dallas. Uh, The discussion is on wokeism in religion. And it seems to me that there's not only a split in society between good and evil, but there seems to be a split amongst churches. And I don't mean Catholic Protestant. I mean... um, an actual split within congregations where you have some uh, more conservative members of the congregation and some more liberal members. And rather than coexisting, some want to split off. So you've got uh, an op-ed that I want you to respond to uh, in Washington Examiner recently. And and I want to get to that right after the break, but I want to invite the listeners to call in if they have a question for you. The phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. And that's Valdez with an S. Again, we're on with uh, Dr. Robert Jeffers. We're discussing uh, the cultural divide within churches, good and evil in society, and um, his reaction, of course, to the school shooting as well. All of that and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. It's America at Night with our guest, Dr. Robert Jeffers. I'm Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Yes. 
There's so many members of the military coming back with post-traumatic stress after witnessing the violence and participating in it. Well, these children, these teachers, they should be, should be focusing on their mental health as well. Again, that's President Biden earlier today as he was uh, uh, responding to the school shooting today in Nashville, Tennessee. And it to me, it just it, it, it evokes these feelings of of uh, divisiveness, divisiveness, where people are are being ripped apart by ideas, by ideology, by by politics and and uh honestly, by sanity. It seems like there, there's the sane and the insane. And, and we're seeing it play out in real time. And it's a real shame. Our guest is uh, Dr. Robert Jeffers. He's the senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Dallas. You can listen to this program, by the way, on KLIF and its sister station, WBAP on the weekends. And uh, Dr. Jeffers, we were talking about wokeism and religion and how it's, you know, dividing society. It's dividing humanity, in my opinion, and and uh, and how it's wreaking havoc on on congregations. Absolutely. I mean, there are churches that are splitting right now all over the issue of are we going to uh, determine truth by what's in the Bible or by popular polls? And, uh, you know, the fact is. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court, for example, in 2015, in the Obergefell decision, uh, you know, changed the definition of marriage. Well, guess what? They don't have the power to change the definition of marriage. God is the one who defined marriage, and he said it's between a man and a woman. The Bible says God's word is established forever in heaven. But when we try to act God, we reap the consequences of it. And, Rich, I think it's just important to remind people and I said this, I spoke at the Trump rally uh, Saturday in Waco before I prayed. And I said, you know, you cannot deny the fact that America was founded as a Christian nation. And I know that makes liberals' heads explode, so I'll say it again. America was founded as a Christian nation for the first 150 years of our history. Children used the New England primer where they read Bible verses and prayed and so forth. And then suddenly in 1962... The Supreme Court discovers that prayer in school is unconstitutional. Did the Constitution change? No. There began this rabid attempt by the left, Rich, to separate mm-hmm. Christian or America from its Christian heritage. You had the removal of prayer uh, in 62, the removal of Bible reading in 63, uh, the removal of the Ten Commandments in 1980, Stone versus Graham. The liberals tried to convince us that you can be good without God. But that is a terrible mistake. You know, Dostoevsky, the Russian writer, said, without God, everything is permissible. If there is no God to whom we're accountable, then who's to say what is right and wrong? Why not call good and evil orange and purple instead? The fact is there is a divine creator who tells us what is right and what is wrong. And when we throw him overboard and say we're going to do it our way, we're going to see the kind of acts we saw today in Nashville and many other atrocities as well. You know, Pastor, this is a, an argument I get into uh, oftentimes on the radio where people will tell me, look, you can't shove your religion down my throat. And and just because, you know, you have your set of rules doesn't mean that I can't be moral and be secular or atheistic. And 
And, and there's a lot of people that say, look, I, I'm, I'm a secular humanist, but I, I'm probably one of the most compassionate people you'll ever meet. I love my neighbor. I do, I do just about everything that you guys call for in your Ten Commandments, uh, but I don't, I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe in your God. I just believe in treating people fairly, maybe the golden rule, if you will. And what do you say to, to someone that has bought into the, um, the idea of secular humanism and being moral at the same time? Well, I, I, what I would say to them is, uh, you know, there was a time when uh, people said that it's okay for one human being to own another human being in America. In fact, the Supreme Court verified that in Greg Scott. Uh, but we know that was wrong. Well, where do we get the sense? Why isn't it right for one person to own another person? Who gets to decide what is right and wrong? That's why you have to have an objective standard. And the only objective standard is God. If you don't have an objective standard, then everybody does what is right in his own eyes, and you have chaos. I mean, who's to say that raping a child is wrong? Who makes that determination? Again, you say, well, we all know that's wrong. Well, how do we know that's wrong? It's because we have been stamped with the image of God on every human heart. You know, this is a fascinating point that you bring up, uh, because uh, on this program, I've I've talked about Kinsey, uh, Dr. Alfred Kinsey, and and another yes. doctor named Gadjasek, and, who was a, a disciple of his, if you will, a protege in many ways. And, and this man said, and it's a loose paraphrase, but it's not out of context, that you are not, you're doing a disservice to your family if you're not participating in multi-generational sex. These guys believed that incest was appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's sickening to me. But but when you when you hear that and you know that there are people, you know, medical doctors, studied learned men that make these arguments, uh, it, it just that's what you're describing. It rings true to me where it's like, well, then where can we draw the line if we can make all these fancy arguments to say that, you know, like you just said, it, who says it's wrong to rape children if we can make a case for it and go back to ancient Greece and talk about pederasty and whatnot. And if that's not a case uh, or or. or a need for a a clear right and wrong. I don't know what is, Pastor. Well, that's right. And again, I would go back to the example of slavery. You know, people say, well, you don't have to have the Bible. You can have just common consensus. Well, it was common consensus in the majority of our country that slavery was okay. Uh, Other people say, well, you have to have a judiciary to decide what's right and wrong. The Supreme Court decided slavery was okay. You can't depend on human beings to determine what is right and wrong. There has to be a higher standard. Yeah, 100% agreed. And I just want to remind everybody uh, who we're on with. Of course, we're on with Pastor Robert Jeffers, senior pastor uh, of First Baptist Church in Dallas. Now, Pastor, um, if if people want to find out more about the work that you're doing and and the, the projects that you're involved in, both in the church and, and your, your civic stuff, uh, how do they get in touch with you and keep in touch? The easiest way is to go to our website, ptv.org. That's for our television and radio program, Pathway to Victory, ptv.org. And uh, you can download any of our messages free of charge. Our program is heard daily on 1,400 radio stations around the country. And we're also on television on hundreds of stations, including TBN, every Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern. 
Outstanding. Well, listen, I thank you for, for your insight. I thank you for, uh, for, for sharing a little bit of the truth with us today on a day where it's kind of solemn because of what's happened in our country. And uh, I wish you Godspeed as you continue to do the Lord's work. Well, thank you. And if people get a chance, I'll be on Fox News at midnight tonight with Trace Gallagher talking about the shootings. So after they finish listening to you, of course, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) You bet. All right, folks, check him out on Fox. Check him out on his on his website as well. Dr. Robert Jeffers, I want to thank you again for being with us tonight. Thanks so much, Rich, for all you do. Yes, sir. Take care. God bless. All right, there is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more on all of the news of the day. Uh, patriotism's also been called to question. There's a new poll out uh, that I'm going to give you some details on, and it's not going to be shocking, but it's definitely going to be disappointing. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. So there's a new poll out, and it says traditional values like patriotism, religion, and community have plunged. They've plunged dramatically amongst uh, Americans. Long-held values like patriotism, religion, community, involvement— uh, are now retreating across America, according to a stunning poll that was released by the Wall Street Journal. Found 38% of Americans say patriotism is very important uh, important to them. That's down from 70% in 1998. Steady decline is, is correct. Slightly more Americans, 39%, placed the same importance on religion, which is down from 62% who said their faith was very important to them 25 years ago. Crazy. I remember 1998. I had a barbershop back then. Anyway, the percentage of Americans who said raising children was very important has fallen to 30% in this poll. That's down from 59% in 1998. Meanwhile, the share of Americans who valued involvement in their community as very important fell to 27%. That's down from a high of 62% in 2019. That was the last time that this question was polled. So, one of the virtues that was long associated with liberals was a belief in tolerance for others. And now that's deemed uh, very important by 58% of Americans. Tolerance used to be up at 80% just four years ago. So imagine that tolerance is on the decline. Faith is on the decline. Parenting is on the decline and patriotism is on the decline. Does it, does it come as any shock that people are doing what they do when it comes to violent crime. Of course not. The value of life, the value of, you know, your fellow man's soul doesn't matter. They just don't care. If you don't care, you don't care. Anyway, let us go to the phones and get your opinions on this. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Let us go to Lance in Galloway, New Jersey, W-O-N-D. Go right ahead, my brother. Welcome. Yeah, good evening on this uh, solemn and uh, somber evening here in America. And uh, you're absolutely right, Rich, in regards to the trifecta of uh, 
apathy in the uh, religion, patriotism, and community. And I just want to, uh, as I, Tom mentioned, share uh, 25 seconds uh, for people can later on tonight after they finish listening to you and finish discussing what went on in America today to say a prayer. And I just wanted to voice a quick pa- prayer real fast, if you don't I'd, mind. I would love that. Okay. This was my mother taught us this growing up. And here it is. Now I close my eyes in peace with this thought. My troubles cease. I will know no sinner pain and pray for morning's life again. Bless the children here on earth. Fill them all with joyous mirth. Bless the parents too, dear God, as they guard and sweetly nod. All the world is good and right, guarded by thy loving sight. Good night, dearest God. Thanks, Rich. God bless uh, you. And thank God you, bless Lance. the children and parents. Bye-bye. Amen to that. Very, very kind words. I appreciate that. Um, it, it means a lot, I think, to hold on to one's faith and in a moment like this. And we're going to continue with your calls straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. It's 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. do more to stop gun violence. It's ripping our communities apart, ripping the soul of this nation, ripping at the very soul of the nation. And we, we have to do more to protect our schools so they aren't turned into prisons. It's ripping apart a soulless nation. He then corrected himself, but uh, he believes the nation is soulless. I don't. I believe the nation has a soul. Uh, you know, not literally, but I believe the people of this nation have souls. And I don't believe we're just entirely soulless, not just yet. But that is what Biden thinks. Let us continue with your phone calls, 833-482-5337-833, the number four, Valdez. Uh, Let us go to uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, W-I-Z-M. Then we're going to go to Kentucky right after that. And in La Crosse, Wisconsin, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Good evening. Good evening, Rich. You're looking handsome today. Oh, thank you. It's my hair. Uh, yes, I, I know it, it. It looks really good. I, I'd love to go walk uh, barefoot <laughs> through your hair follicles and make them shine. <laughs> well, I appreciate really that, I think. <laughs> What's on your mind, Ann? Um, well, you had discussed up uh, PTSD, post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. Yeah, President Biden mentioned that earlier. I had talked to uh, some vet friends and police officers, and and a lot of times they do not like to discuss their their, um, situation in war or whatever country they were. So I asked them, is that because when you um, are in war combat and someone dies as a result of one of your bullets, is that what it's really all about? And and they repeated to me that that is it. When you take a life, that per, first of all you will throw up. Um, and when 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 that 
when you do that, take a life, you, you, that dead person will come and haunt you. It was very wow. solemn to listen to, to that. And uh, I have heard the same thing from uh, women who have had abortions. They, they have that PTSD thing for the same yeah. reason. Right. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And again, I can't attest to that personally. I don't know anything of that. But I can say uh, trauma is is that way. When when people experience loss in one way or another, um, there's associated trauma with it. And and it would make sense um, what you're describing. And I thank you for for your comments. And it's always nice to hear from you and your compliments on my hair. Let us continue to Jim in Bowling Green, Kentucky, WKCT. Jim, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Good evening, Rich. How are you tonight? I'm all right, brother. As good as I can be. It's a, it's a, you know, I'm living the dream, and it's great to be alive. I'm in the best country that God's ever created, but it's a sad day in this country, Jim. Yes, very much so. I'm not far away from Nashville. Um, I, I've got a stepdaughter that lives there, and it's uh, not a good, oh, wow. well, anytime somebody innocent loses their life, it's never good, but I'm sorry I missed the pastor. I, I had a two-part question. I would have loved to hear what his response would be, but I'll throw it at you, and you sure. can give me your opinion on it. The, the first part of it is I was going to ask him what his feelings was of how the federal government has tried to supplant God with their self to, by the giveaways and make people dependent upon them. And then secondly, how at what point as Christians— I'm a believer. You are. At what point do we do, what actions do we take? I heard he's talked about, you know, the civil voting, talking, doing all that. But when the vote has been corrupted, at what point as a Christian, what do you do after that whenever there's no recourse in the end? Sure. Well, the first part of that, I would say, is, um, and the first part being the, the question with respect to the government trying to supplant religion, uh, I believe I believe it's not the government per se, because obviously there's a you know the establishment clause that that protects us from that. But it doesn't mean it doesn't happen, and it doesn't mean that there aren't people within the government that are trying to make that happen. And and, and I think it's always a mistake to look at to say you know well you got the folks on the right that are you know good or the folks on the right are bad or the folks on the left are good or the folks on the left are bad. I think you've got good and bad all over the place. And 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 they're intermingled, uh, you know, in Washington and elsewhere. So I think, uh, yeah, there are those in the government that have that have a goal to supplant religion, to to remove God. This is why we've seen, you know, during principally uh, Democrat administrations, you've seen uh, these cases that were brought to, to try and remove things like the Ten Commandments and things, you know, our legal system, which is built on natural law. And uh, all of a sudden they say, we're going to try and erase that. So I think we, there's always going to be that push because there's a big push for secular humanism. And I'd say most of those people are um, on the left, but it doesn't mean that there aren't a bunch of, you know, libertarians out there that are, are not um, faith oriented and they have a very similar opinion. So, um, yep, I said that. I'm pretty sure I'll get calls on that. And the other part of it is, I think Jesus said it best when he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's. And uh, so that means we're called to pray and we're called to, to take civic action. And if votes aren't working, we've got to fix our votes. 
And uh, I can get into that a little bit more later. But the music means they're kicking me out. Jim from Bowling Green, thank you for your call. Excellent question. More to come straight ahead. We're going to continue our conversation on what happened over the weekend with Trump in Texas. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Our telephone number is 833-4-VALDEZ. If you want to join our late-night national town hall forum, you're welcome to do so. And as you know, there was a fatal school shooting today in Nashville. Uh, horrible, absolutely horrible President Biden, who I like to call Joe El Baboso Biden, uh, started with his babosadas. He came out saying, you know, uh, my name is Joe Biden. I'm Dr. Jill's husband. You heard the audio. I'm not going to play it again. But uh, he made some very um, uh, what he thought were funny remarks at a time where the nation was waiting to hear from him with respect to the school shooting. And uh, all he did was talk about ice cream. So that was uh, disheartening. And he's made a renewed call for gun control, yet the border remains wide open. And we talked about values. Some of the values like patriotism, community, and religion have plunged dramatically, uh, according to that Wall Street Journal poll. Uh, That's a Wall Street Journal and NORC survey, finding that only 38% of Americans say patriotism is very important to them anymore. So uh, pretty rough day today uh, in America. And I want to help all of us make sense of it by getting some perspective. As you know, we try to get the best guests that we can on this program. And uh, one of the guests that we've got lined up for tonight is uh, former Congresswoman Myra Flores from Texas. You remember her where she had this incredible upset victory becoming uh, the first Republican to win her district in, I don't know, 150 years or something like that. And Congresswoman Flores is with us. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. So I'd like to start off with getting your reactions to some of the things that happened today. Uh, Obviously, there was a uh, shooting in in Tennessee. And lamentably, these things happen a lot. But I know that you have uh, uh, you come from a law enforcement family. So what are your thoughts on this school shooting today? It was just heartbreaking. I'm a mother of four. Um, I just can't imagine what these parents are going through. Um, and it, it's happening over and over, and we can't continue to uh, ignore it. We, we have to do something about this, and it starts by arming um, every single school. You know, they go into these schools because they're gun-free zones. They know that they're not protected, and they're taking advantage of that to hurt our children just like we sent billions of dollars to Ukraine, we should be investing billions of dollars in school safety, in making sure that we have top security in every school. 
you know, the president's children, they're taken care of, they're protected by armed guards. Our children should as well. Yeah, 100%. And, and of course, the president's children have the benefit of, you know, billions of dollars from China that uh, everybody else doesn't have. But nonetheless, we need to put a focus on that. And, you know, something that's unique in Texas that I think is a model for the nation uh, is that teachers can actually be armed. They, there's already legislation and a whole program for school marshals in Texas that I think um, is something that other states could benefit from. And what are, what is your uh, your thought on the school marshal program in Texas? It needs to be implemented. Um, but I, I do think that it's a, a decision that every teacher uh, should be allowed uh, to have. I don't think we should, you know, force any, any, um, every teacher, but I think that, um, they should have that, that option. Uh, most teachers, you know, decide not to do it. So that's why it's so important that we have those armed security in every, every school. Um, but listen, I, Democrats don't want school security. They want gun control. Mm-hmm. Why would every Senate Democrat Every Senate Democrat voted against Senator Ted Cruz's bill that would add police officers in school. One armed officer would have stopped this lunatic, this monster. Yet every Democrat in the Senate voted against Senator Ted Cruz's bill. That tells you a lot. They don't want our our children to be safe they don't want board they don't want school safety they want gun control and that's not going to solve the issue the root of the problem that we currently have in this country now congresswoman myra flores i know over the weekend uh you had participated in the um, Trump rally, the, the very anticipated Trump rally, whereas a lot of people were saying, you know, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is President Trump going to be indicted? As of yet, he hasn't been indicted. It's been like a daily thing. It's like watching the lotto numbers come in every day. Did he get it? Did he not get it? It's crazy. But I know that you uh, you got a shout out in that and you have a, a position with uh, the campaign, a statewide position. So we, I want to talk about that uh, straight ahead. But first, I want to uh, get your um, opinions on a clip of audio, right? Because there is a comedian, former uh, late night host, John Stewart. He was on CNN yesterday and he rejected the notion that Trump should be indicted because doing so would make him a martyr. And he says, we either have the rule of law or we don't. And I think, wow, for a comedian on the left, he actually made sense for once. Listen to this. So I got to ask you, it's a big thing in the news. Donald Trump indictment. There are people. What? Who, no, no. Just uh, stay with me for a minute. There are people. I've been who watching say, the live cameras <laughs> at the courthouse. It's imminent. <laughs> Breathless speculation. So there are people who say, yes, you have to indict him because he he has in fact broken the laws. And there are other people who say this is going to turn him into a martyr. This is his right. path to redemption. Sure. How how do you think about? It? Oh, I, I the law should always take into account someone's popularity. I think that's, that's, I mean, what, what's happened to our country? For, it's as though you can't even commit financial fraud anymore. You can't, you can't inflate the value of your properties 
uh, when you need a loan and then deflate it uh, with taxes. I mean, uh, the next thing you know, they're going to send you to jail instead of your lawyer and your accountant and your campaign manager and everyone else uh, ar around you. It's no. To, the idea that someone may face accountability uh, who's that rich and powerful is outrageous. And this country shouldn't stand for it. <laughs> but, uh, but, but what if it, what if it turns out to be his, his get out of jail free pass? It's his path to people will see him as a martyr. He gets, he. Okay. You're okay I, I with that. He, is that he I, could I become president again. He could become president anyway. Fareed, you, it's, we either have the rule of law or we have no rule of law. The rule of law does not take into account if that might make you a martyr to somebody. I'd much rather have the conversation be, what is the law? Now, Congresswoman Myra Flores, I wow. believe that the only thing that he got right there was saying we either have the law or we don't have the law. I think everything else was totally twisted. What do you think? <laughs> I agree. The Democrat Party knows nothing about the rule of law. Nothing about, nothing about that. Look at our border. Look at our border situation. We're having millions and millions of people coming in into our country illegally. We've had over a million gotaways. These are the most dangerous individuals. We're talking about those on the terrorist watch list, child traffickers, drug traffickers, criminals. Sure. That want to come and I just, I just want to reiterate that when, you, when you're talking about the gotaways, it's important to note that these are the people that are saying, no, I don't want the free bus ticket. No, I don't want any type of right. inside of this country. I don't want any of that. Just pretend I'm not here. That's right. They want to avoid Border Patrol. And why mm -hmm. do they want to avoid Border Patrol? Because they have a criminal background. And we've had over a million gotaways. And of course, our Border Patrol agents, they're exhausted. They can't track down everyone coming in into our country. We've had millions coming in into our country, but it's impossible for them to track down every single one of them. We have fentanyl coming in into our country. So Democrats know nothing about law and order. They're a bunch of hypocrites. It's, it's really disgusting mm -hmm. what they've done to, to our country. I want you to stay right there. We're going to pause right here, take a quick break, and we're going to come back and continue our conversation on uh, your, your experience with the Trump rally yesterday, as well as um, you know, the indictment to indict or not to indict former President Trump. We're on with Congresswoman Myra Flores. She's a policy analyst with the Texas Policy um, Texas Policy Foundation. Did I get that right? I hope I didn't mess it up. Anyway, there is more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez with Myra Flores. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. I want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. You will be vindicated and proud, and the thugs and criminals who are corrupting our justice system will be defeated, discredited, and totally disgraced. Former President Donald Trump was in Waco, Texas this weekend for a rally, his big comeback rally, uh, especially after a week of speculation that the uh, 
the New York City prosecutor, the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, was coming after him. And we still don't know. The grand jury met today and there was no indictment returned. We shall see what happens. Our guest is Congresswoman Myra Flores. And uh, she's with the Texas Policy Foundation as a senior fellow right now. And I want to talk about the Trump rally, your reaction to the 2024 campaign and a couple of other things. Congresswoman, welcome back. Thank you so much. No, I was, I was so, uh, so happy to welcome uh, President Trump to, to Texas and to see thousands and thousands of proud Americans there to support him as well. Let's talk about some of what he's been talking about, because I know he's he's been very clear that he's done nothing wrong. He's his attorneys have been very clear that that he's done nothing wrong. And I think it's important that, um, you know, he continue to, to run his campaign because, you know, it seems that this is why he, he decided to announce early. And they they now they're trying to slow him down with this uh, this um, witch hunt of an indictment, uh, which may or may not happen. But. Let's talk about from your perspective as a Texan, as as a mom, as as the first um, Republican to win that seat in a very Hispanic area, um, and and doing that and and turning it red for a little bit, and and hopefully doing it again. Um, let's talk about what this campaign, uh, Trump's campaign, means for Hispanics. Well, it means a lot. You know, uh, he opened our eyes. Back in 2016, we were taking advantage. Uh, The Democrat Party took us for granted. Um, They always have used immigration issues to get our vote. But when they get our vote, they do nothing. And they'll never solve the issues that we have with immigration because they want to continue using that that issue and those issues every election year. So President Trump opened our eyes, but during his time, we were all prospering, Hispanics, all of us, every single one of us, you know, white, blacks, doesn't matter. All Americans were prospering under the Trump administration. We had a strong economy. We had a secure border. The American dream was alive. All that is gone. And we care about the Mm -hmm. same issues that all Americans care about, the kitchen table issues. And it's this economy, it's hurting us all. We can barely pay our rent, our mortgage, groceries, rent, healthcare, you name it. Everything is very expensive. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, the the bottom line is, is that whether we're Hispanics or or not, the, the reality is, that there are things that matter to everybody. And and one of those Absolutely. things, not the least of which, is the economy, right, and the inflation. And and it's true that in many situations, when you have a, a good economy, um, you know, there's an old saying, a rising tide ra- rises uh, all boats. And um, right. the same way, you know, with, with a good economy, the, the, everybody the, the does the well, including way. Hispanics. Right. But, I, but in exactly. the same way, I, I just want to say that I think it's, it's more detrimental when when the economy goes south, right? So I think right now, I think the people that are suffering the most from inflation and from this uh, economic problems that we have in the United States are the people that earn the least. So whether they're you know African Americans or impoverished white people or or Hispanics or whatever what have you, it, it, they're the ones that are suffering the most. Yet it's the Democrats' policies 
that saying we're here to help you that are actually hurting the same people that they claim to be helping. Right. They want to keep us poor to, con- to continue controlling us. That's, that's what the Democrat Party wants to do. They want, to, they want the Hispanic community, especially here in South Texas, they want us to stay poor. They don't want to see us prosper so they can continue controlling us and how we vote. They don't want prosperity. You know, I grew up being told that the Democrat Party was for the people of poor. And I tell the Hispanic community, they're right. The Democrat Party is for poverty. Right. You know, and, and the Republican Party is for prosperity. We want you to be independent. We want you to be able to, you know, have your own business if that's what you like. You know, we want the government to be out of your life. And we want someone to be in Washington that does its job, that gets the job done. It doesn't matter if we like him or not. We just want someone in Washington to get the job done. And President Trump got the job done. And is the only one that can bring back our our, our country. Now, um, Myra Flores, Texas Policy Foundation, I want you to give me a quick reaction to this. There's this poll that came out that says, Values like patriotism, religion, and community have plunged. They've all gone down more than 20% from 1998, 25 years ago, when they started doing the poll. What's your reaction to to that, and what do you think we got to do to fix it? It, It's heartbreaking because I believe that we need to protect our values. You know, I, I, I was born in Mexico. I was raised with strong conservative values. We're all about faith and family and hard work. That is who we are. And it is so important that we continue fighting for those values. No political party is worth us putting our our conservative values aside. We must always put our values first and strengthen uh, the family as well. The family structure has weakened. And and it's so important that we educate, you know, and here in South Texas, I'm working with Americano Media. Americano Media is a Spanish network who focuses on educating the Hispanic community on the different platforms so they understand exactly what they're voting for. Because it's important that they know when they're voting Democrat, they're voting against their values. So many Hispanics don't know that, don't know what the Democrat Party stands for. They just vote Democrat because that's what they were they were told to do so. And, right. and I grew up in that type of household. So it, I'm so proud to be working also with Americano Media, who is focus, who's focusing on the Spanish-speaking community and making sure they get the facts and sure. they make an educated vote. Now, Congresswoman Myra Flores, before you go, I want you to let everybody know how they can follow you and how they could keep up with the work you're doing in the uh, Texas Policy Foundation. Thank you so much. I'm on... Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter at Mayra Flores. All right, perfect. Bueno, gracias por estar con nosotros. Everybody, Congresswoman Myra Flores, I I hope to have you again muy pronto. Take care Mm -hmm. y que Dios te bendiga. Thank you and God bless. More to come straight ahead, folks. I am Rich Valdez. It's America at Night.
833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And there was a clip of all I wanted to play for you last week, uh, right before on, on, on the weekend, right on Friday, because it was uh, Representative Jasmine, what's the last name? Crockett, Jasmine Crockett, who was on uh, one of the lefty media television networks and and MSNBC and had something uh, really interesting to say that I thought, uh, you know, I've heard quite the opposite. But listen to what she had to say. Check this out. We know that these MAGA Republicans have a problem with the truth. In fact, that's why we are coddling these January 6th insurrectionists. Um, you know, I'm just a freshman. So I watched January 6th from afar, unlike what so many of my colleagues experienced. And the fact that you know, they want to go in and these people, some of them which were attempting murder and they want to have a conversation about how comfortable they are. They want to have a conversation about whether or not their iPads uh, are working or if they have enough time on their iPads. This is what I'm hearing. Um, as someone who's been a public defender, let me tell you something. Right, before she tells you something, let me tell you something. Uh, first of all, um, I don't think anybody was charged with attempted murder. In the January 6th uh, riots, I don't think anybody was. Uh, I know there were some people that got some sedition charges, the guys from the um, the Oath Keepers and whatnot. Uh, but outside of that, I don't think everybody was charged with parading and, like, trespassing, right? Yeah, that was pretty much the, the charges that everybody got, even the ones that were held for some extended period of time before they were able to even see a judge, which is what, you know, people were complaining about. And uh, Representative Green, who was recently there, said that the conditions in the jail were subpar. But we're going to get to that in a moment. But Miss Crockett seems to think that uh, it's it's Club Med. Go right ahead. They know nothing about what bad conditions are. And I'm going to clarify that after I can see with my own two eyes. But in the state of Texas, we don't even have air conditioning in our prisons. And we are once again in the state of Texas. So we've had inmates die from overheating. Uh, you know, the idea that these folks somehow um, should engage in a real conversation now that January Sixers, mostly white folk, um, are saying that these accommodations don't work for them when black and brown folk have been trying to have a real conversation around what uh, prison accommodations should look like if we are just going to be humane is laughable. So I look forward to this visit and I look forward to reporting out on the accommodations and whether or not um, they are subpar. So that's Representative Crockett. And again, if if black and brown inmates, I happen to be brown, by the way, uh, if if black and brown inmates are dying in Texas, then who cares what happens to the white inmates in Washington? Right. That's that's the logic here, because that's exactly what I heard her say. Anyway, uh, this is uh, utterly reprehensible, in my opinion, that you have members of Congress making these these just straight up racist and, and stupid comments at that. Uh, Nina May is the founder and chair of the Renaissance Foundation, and she's with us to react to this because she's got some firsthand knowledge of this. Nina May, welcome. Hi, how are you all doing tonight? Wonderful, thanks. So what are your thoughts on Congresswoman Crockett's commentary? Well, I would like her to name one other person in this country 
that has spent two and a half years in jail without a trial, uh, it being assumed as she is that they are guilty before being proven guilty. I thought we were innocent before proven guilty. They have no due process. They, they've not had their day in court. Two and a half years? Is there any other person in this country that you can point to that's had that situation? This is something very, very unusual. And it doesn't matter what they've done. I mean, even a murderer has his day in court. You know, someone that, that abuses a, a young child has their day in court. But these people, we can't say what they've done because they haven't had their day in court. So as far as I'm concerned, they're innocent until proven guilty. Oh, and the law says that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the American way. Uh, now, Nina May, tell us about um, the work that you're doing with the Renaissance F Foundation and why you're doing it. Well, we have um, one of the projects of the foundation is Renaissance Women Productions, and we do uh, movies, documentaries, TV shows. We have a, a dramatic series, post-apocalyptic dramatic series called Daily Bread, and it's um, it's fun. It's it's got hope in the end, whereas most post-apocalyptic um, shows don't have it. You just feel, oh my gosh, what's the point? There's no hope here. So he said, let's do it the other way. Let's have post-apocalyptic. The solar flare knocks out electricity around the world. Everybody's got to figure out how to live without their devices. And um, it's actually kind of fun. So um, that's on a lot of uh, a lot of platforms. We just did a romantic comedy called First Lady that was out. And just when COVID hit, we were in the theaters. So we were in for about two weeks. COVID hit and everything was shut down. We've got several documentaries we've done and um, – a pile of Have you done any on January 6th? We did that. We were there. Our film crew was there January 6th. And, Tell us about uh, we, that. A quick, well, um, we said, you know what? This is going to be pretty historic. Let's take the cameras. Let's film this because we knew that we were going to do something at some point. So we wanted to get our own B-roll because we didn't want the licensing issues with someone else's footage. We said, well, shoot, we cover this stuff all the time. Let's just go down and see what's going to happen. So we started at the Capitol walked to the White House. We timed that, and that was about 55-minute walk. No crowds or anything. We started at 9 in the morning because we wanted to see if we could get as close as we could to where the president was going to speak. And if, naively thinking we could actually get some photos of that, we were back probably half a mile from the White House, and still there were people coming in. I've, I've never seen such a big crowd of people in D.C. in my life, and we've covered a ton of these things. So he's talking. He's an hour late. This is very, very important to understand. The timeline that they're using is a fake timeline. He started his speech an hour late. And when they claim that the breach happened at 1253, he still was speaking for another 25 minutes. How could he possibly have incited something? And again, remember I said it's a 55-minute walk to the White House, which means it's going to be a 55-minute walk back to the Capitol. So that's now, it puts you, what, it, uh, after his speech ends at 1.15, it's 2 o'clock. Well, they've already said that everything's happened by that time. How could it possibly have been incited by him when it was already happening? It was already done while he's still speaking. And here's the other thing. A lot of people didn't get this footage, and Liz Cheney did not bring this up. When we got there, first of all, there's no bike racks. There were no policemen. There were no, no one stopping anyone. We got footage of people walking peacefully up to the Capitol and stopping. They stood there. They stopped. They did not break in. Because if you look up, and we've got it on our footage. We did a 15-minute piece right after that um, that night, uh, pulling together some of the, the most crucial parts of what we saw. But we were looking up on the balcony where they were claiming the people were um, 
breaking in, well, there are at least uh, two dozen fully armed squat, what do they call squat, not squat, squat, <laughs> squat team, <laughs> um, you, know, you know, all in black with the helmets, and the shields and the guns and everything up there lined up. And they, they came in double time, like, you know, like soldiers marching into a war. And then they started shooting flashbangs in the bay, in a very peaceful crowd. And we were there. And we're going, what in the world are they doing? We're actually yelling at them, stop, it's hurting our ears. I mean, they were really loud, piercing noise and the, the bangs that would go off. And one of the people that was there was hit in the chest with a flashbang, and he was one of the ones that was killed. That was never mentioned. None of this was brought up. And we're going, well, how in the world could those people, and why would they, try and break through a phalanx line like that of at least two dozen SWAT team um, police officers or whatever they are when they know they're shooting flashbangs and rubber bullets at them already. So I think what they were trying to do was incite the rise, incite that crowd to push back in there. And they didn't do it. They were not going anywhere. They just stood there singing God bless America and chanting USA, USA. They didn't get what they wanted. So my question has always been, where did the footage come from? Did they film it before that? Did they film it later? Why were there two networks that were cutting contracts 10 o'clock that morning with one of the men that were there that were saying, burn down this, this mother effer. And he was going to get, I think, $35,000 each for pictures of the riot. 10 in the morning, he's signing contracts with two major networks to get pictures of the riots. What riots? Did they know there were going to be riots? Sounds like they did. They're going to be spending that much money. Mm -hmm. One of the pictures that they took of the, um, the bike racks being pushed with the policeman. If you know Washington, you know that is the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen because all someone has to do is go, oh, I'm just going to walk on the left side or the right side of the, the bike rack. Why would I be pushed against the policeman in this, you know, to get, to get around the policeman? You just walk around the policeman. And if you look on the hill behind them, there's not a soul up there. It's all the green grass of the Capitol. That place was packed. So that was shot at a different time. And one of their uh, witnesses that got up, the woman that was the police officer that was said... Well, before you go on, let me just pause life. right here because we've covered a lot and I want to ask some follow-up questions. But I want to remind everybody that we're on with Nina May. Uh, she's with the Renaissance Foundation. She's uh, producing a documentary at the Capitol on January 6th. And we're coming right back with her and your calls. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, we're here with Nina May from the Renaissance Foundation. She was filming a documentary uh, on January 6th at the Capitol. And uh, earlier, right before the break, she mentioned that one of the uh, gentlemen who uh, was there, was part of the crowd that uh, had flashbangs deployed on them, uh, died. Uh, And two of the individuals I see listed here, Benjamin Phillips and Kevin Greeson. Could you clarify which one of them, uh, you know, was, was there when that happened? Oh, I, I don't I don't remember the name. I know that there were five people that died that yeah. were um, Trump. Well, I know one, one died of a stroke and one died of a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, and, and in fact, two people collapsed right next to where we were. 
mm-hmm. and it was cold, so it wasn't because of the heat. So we don't know, you know, what caused that. Where we were, we were on the Senate side, the, the, uh, and I don't know if east, west, north, whatever. Uh, we were on the Washington Monument side. I, I call that the front of the Capitol, over on the Senate side. Another thing that we noticed was that um, the white plastic was up for the inauguration, and so it was hard to see kind of around the corner of, of everything that was happening. But what we did see was very consistent with what was going on on the other side. Um, but again, there was another one of those um, clips that they would show with people pushing against the bike racks with the policemen. Right, well, one that. of the clips they showed was right there where we were. So this is the second clip. This was right next to where we were. The only problem is when you look in the background of this little struggle they're having, the um, the bleachers are just half covered with the white plastic. So it was obviously shot at a different time. It's kind of like the other one, the white, uh, the green grass in the back. It's obviously shot at a different time. And again, I'm looking at this as a producer. We make movies. I'm a producer, writer, director. I, I know how this stuff is set up. When there was a, a scene of the, um, not the guy with the horns, but the guy with the buffalo skin around his torso, he was in the hallway dancing for the um, two or three of the Capitol Hill police, and they were laughing and everybody's cutting up and all. And I said, That's, that looks like what you're doing during a break between cut or takes. He said, okay, everybody cut, you know, we have a rack to one, go back to your to your, um, your spots, blah, blah, blah. I saw that same guy in the street marching with us, not marching, but walking all the way back from the Capitol and thinking, how in the world did he get into the White House? I mean, into the Capitol that quickly. It's impossible. So it, it, that was another indication that it feels like they filmed a lot of this stuff in advance or at a different time. And another thing that was really weird, there were no sirens. The entire time we were out there, there was no um, ambulances. There were no fire trucks or no EMPs, no sirens at all. And we're at a townhouse right behind the Capitol, right next to the Supreme Court. And we're looking through binoculars, seeing a very peaceful group of people. But on the TV, it's showing riots and it says live. And I'm going, this is impossible. I'm looking at it and I'm seeing it. It's not the way they're saying it is. So I said, I got to go back over. So we walked all the way back over. And again, it was the same thing as you saw in the front. People were just standing there, you know, with their Trump flags. Lots of Capitol Hill police just kind of hanging out and getting the pictures taken with the Trump people. And this is like 2.30, almost 3. And I thought at that point, all hell had broken loose. What happened to the insurrection? What happened to, oh, my gosh, the, the sacred house of the people has been destroyed? It didn't look like that to me. And that's the footage we've got. I mean, in fact, if anything, it looked like the policemen standing on the steps of the of the Senate with the other Trump supporters there. wouldn't look like they were ready to sing a choir or something. It just, now, what's something your just opinion of, of what happened when uh, Ashley Babbitt and others were, were making their way through the glass and, and she was eventually shot and killed by uh, Capitol Police? That is was one this, of the weirdest things. Do, do you think that, that happened bizarre, live or, do you, or you, is it your contention that that was also staged? Well, I mean, she's dead, so I can't imagine that you could right. you would stage a death. But the Me man either. that got the footage is one of the people that was getting paid to get the footage of the, quote, riot. The thing that really was very curious about this for me is that how did he know to have the camera exactly where he did when the man with the gun came out? And that's called the money shot. I mean, how did he get the money shot? It's impossible. 
I mean, that's a one in a million shots. Why was he focusing down the hall um, of nothing really happening when this woman is trying to climb through the windows? That's what you should be looking at, the woman climbing through the window. But no, it's the other way. And then suddenly the gun comes out and it comes out like, like a burglary. It doesn't come out like a police officer where you hold it with two hands. You, you're very purposeful in what you're doing. You say, stop, you know, halt, don't move any closer. Show me your hands. Da, 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 da. A lot of words go with, with pulling of the, can, of the gun out and you hold it with both hands in a very steady position. And that wasn't the case at all. It just kind of came out really slowly. And then suddenly next thing you know, he shot, he swings the camera around, gets her falling back. Like, how did he know to swing the camera around? I mean, I would have kept the camera on the man that shot like, Oh my gosh, who's this shooting? Is that a MAGA person? Is that a police officer? Right. Who is that? But he just knew to swing the camera around to see how she was going to, you know, she's going to fall in, she's going to fall out. I don't know. And then we've he got says, a, we've got a we, pause we right here it. again, and we'll come right back to you. We're on with Nina May from the Renaissance Foundation. She was filming a documentary on January 6th at the Capitol that day. More to come straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Welcome back. Rich Valdez. Our guest is Nina May from the Renaissance Foundation, filming a documentary on January 6th at the Capitol that day back in um, 2021. And it um, there's so much to talk about and we've, we've discussed so much so far. Uh, but Nina May, I'd like you to, you know, maybe in about a minute or so, just uh, give us your final thought, your final word and let everybody know how they could um, uh, keep up with the work that you're doing. Well, I think it's really important. We've said since day one that um, we all have access to the security camera footage because I swear my team could have put that together two and a half years ago in one week to tell you exactly what happened that day. And that's why they did not want us to get it, not us personally, but anyone mm -hmm. to get it because they knew that would happen. And that's another reason they haven't brought these people to trial because you would the, their defense lawyers would say, well, we want the evidence. We've got to prove that they're guilty. I mean, that they're innocent, not guilty. So give us access to the footage. And they would have said no, because they were telling everyone, right. no, you cannot have this footage. What are they hiding? What were they hiding? I mean, that's so clearly um, an indication that they know something happened that they're not telling us, <clears throat> but there's no accountability on that. So I just yep. think people need to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. I would tell everyone that got footage that day, everyone got footage, everyone had a phone, send it to Jim Jordan's office and say, start compiling this. You've got yep. timestamps on every single piece of footage in from every phone, from every All right. Let camera. everybody know or you're going to run out of time. Oh, yeah. Oh, know what? <laughs> Your website, how, you know. Pardon? How they can oh, follow how you. Reach, well, yeah, I've got a Substack. It's just Nina May at Substack. All right, that's ninamay.substack.com. Check her out. Nina May, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Keep up the good work. More to come straight ahead. Open Phone America starts right now.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And it is Open Phone America, late-night tradition here, started by Larry King back in 1978 and continued by Jimbo Hannon for three decades. And I'm continuing that tradition of Open Phone America, where you get to call in on pretty much any topic. Just make it make sense, right? And, uh, you know fit the flow of the conversation and I'm happy to talk about it plus everything we've talked about this evening we've had uh, quite a lot of discussion tonight with Pastor Robert Jeffers who um, was our guest earlier discussing the divide between good and evil and what's going on with this horrific school shooting we also had some conversation with former Congresswoman Myra Flores and uh, we have a clip of that listen to this white blacks doesn't matter all Americans were prospering under the Trump administration. We had a strong economy. We had a secure border. The American dream was alive. All that is gone. And she's 100% right. And if you missed any portion of uh, any of the interviews that we do on America at Night with Rich Valdez, make sure you check out the podcast. Now, you can get anything you need, whether it is the podcast of the show, the replay of the show, archived episodes of the show, uh, listen live to the show. Let's say you're on a station where they only carry two hours instead of all three hours of the program. No problemo. Go to richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, and you can get all of it. And I urge you strongly to subscribe to the podcast. This way, it's making um, the daily notifications as it downloads to your phone, and boom, you can listen to it anytime you like on demand at your leisure. Now, again, we had that conversation about uh, Congresswoman Flores' uh, reaction to President Trump being in the, um, the Lone Star State to have his campaign rally over the weekend. She was also uh, announced as a member of his state campaign leadership campaign, uh, campaign, excuse me. And, uh, and uh, she was recognized at the uh, rally as well. So we talked about that and, and border security and the indictment that doesn't happen just yet or hasn't happened just yet uh, against the president and so much more. But there's other things I want to talk about. And, and also when I was plugging the website, I wanted to mention something uh, that's not news related. But um, w- when I uphold certain traditions like the tradition of, of open phone America, that is uh, something I, I, I respect and have uh, just a uh, a a degree of fondness for, but it doesn't mean that I will continue myself in the tradition of Larry King or Jim Bohannon. Um, I don't know how to, I wouldn't know how to even start to do that. I can only be myself. Uh, So, you know, yes, I can continue their tradition. No, I'll never be like them. Somebody sent an email the other day saying, well, you know, Larry King announced people calling in a certain way. I don't care how Larry King called me. I do it my way. And um, and if I d- decide to change it, I'll do it a new way. But it won't be his way because I can't do his thing. 
and and I was never hired to replace him, or in in reality to to be a replacement for Bohannon per se, right? I I'm I'm doing the show in lieu of because he retired and then subsequently passed away, but I could never really be Bohannon, and I I think most people realize that, but I think every now and again certain people you know that they'll take time out of their day, and I appreciate it. I just don't want to give them false hope thinking, you know, if you do this or if you do that, you could be a little bit more like Jimbo or you could be a little bit more like Larry. I think, no, I, I can't and I won't. And, and please don't hold your breath because you might turn blue and pass out. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just wanted to share that with you. And again, if you have some calls, you're welcome to join the conversation. Uh, before we get to that, I wanted to talk about a couple of headlines here. I just lost my my place on the page I was on. But the the conversation that we were having earlier on values. This is, again, not a shocker to me, but one that I think is important. Traditional values like patriotism, religion, and community have all plunged, according to this new Wall Street Journal NORC survey, saying 38% of Americans say patriotism's very important, and that's compared to 70% who said the same thing when they took this poll 25 years ago in 1998. Now, 38 to 70, that's, you know, nearly, you know, almost double, uh, you know, or, or uh, we could say it's dropped by almost half. And that is crazy. And again, this is similar situation, not as bad with religion and, um, and with the same with um, community involvement right, from 62% down to 27%. So, I mean, yeah, I think things are not going great on on the home front there. But uh, let us go to our buddy Doc in Wilmington, Delaware, W-D-E-L. Doc, talk to me, brother. What's on your mind? A couple of things. We're, we have two things totally disparate that I want to get on, on, your, on your show, if no you'll problem. let me, Rich. Now, you, take take your time. Always. You got it, brother. Yes. In Delaware, our governor is an eco-freak. He wants us to have all electric cars by 2030 or 2025 or 2035, something like that. Something outrageous. So we have all over the state now an anti-electric car movement that is gaining steam. Delawareans of all sizes, shapes, races, colors, faiths say, hey, we don't want to have to pay extra for an electric car for a charging, all that kind of stuff, or for a Tesla or whatever you want to get us into. So there's rebellion at the grassroots level, even in, even in a deep blue state like Delaware. My second point I'd like to talk about is, I didn't hear the show, Tom filled me in. Um, I believe that part of a significant part, and I, I can give you my references off the web, Rich, mm-hmm. a significant part of what happened on January 6th was a put-up job by government, government informants linked to the FBI. The other groups mm-hmm. like QAnon, per the Daily Mail of London, which is a Rupert Murdoch-owned publication, but very credible, Daily Mail is conservative out of London, England. They said QAnon was linked to two Russian billionaires operating out of a site in Scotland who are linked to, guess what, Vladimir Putin and the Russian intelligence services. So a lot of these so-called conservatives have been hoodwinked by the Russians. And you and I have talked about this topic before, how they're trying to infiltrate this government and this country at all levels, the Russians and the Chinese. I don't want to see my yeah. conservative brethren and sisters uh, hoodwink anybody. You're a real conservative, Rich. You're not a firebrand. You're a real conservative because you're level-headed and you've got the creds. You have the CV to prove that you're a real conservative and a real Republican, but you're in the mainstream. When you go outside the mainstream and when talk, if Trump is talking about violence, he's lost me. I'm sorry. I love Trump to death. I'd love to see him have what, a what, second. What, was yeah. he talking about any violence? Yeah, he, he's, been, he's been quoted in the media recently 
you know, at, at one of the, uh, on an off record conversation, I think it was calling him off mic, that uh, he was saying, if I go to jail, if I'm indicted, uh, take to the streets and do this to do that. That's totally uncalled for. Totally uncalled for. Well, I haven't heard that. I what I do know, he put out a tweet uh, saying that there that there is potential for death and destruction. Um, and I should probably find it and read it to you verbatim. It's on Truth Social. Um, but again, I don't. He wasn't asking for anybody to do that. He was just saying that doing such egregious things like indicting him for you know for this this phony fake fraud thing that's going on here. Uh, is something that had the potential to lead to that. Clearly, he's you know he's he's careful with his words, and uh, he's not calling for people to do anything other than protest. But uh, yeah, of course, uh, and rightfully so, Doc. Right? If anybody were to call for violence, we should say, "Hey, hold on a second. What are you doing? What are you talking about?" Uh, I agree. I think part of the issue here is you're right, right? You said this was a put up job, and I think you're 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 onto something here. I think so many things. I think what we saw on January sixth is what we've seen our country do overseas many times, right? Uh, Many times, whether it was the one in Ukraine, uh, the Arab Spring, you name it, I think we've had a hand in so many uprisings internationally. And we saw it firsthand on January 6th. I don't believe that that was um, serendipitous. It was clear that that was how it was going to go down. We've seen it with Gretchen Whitmer when, you know, the guys were like, uh, yeah, why don't you kidnap her? You know, and they were like, kidnap her. Why would we do that? You know, and it was the FBI guys suggesting it and, and, and leading the way on that. So I, I don't I don't disagree with you that that there was likely people within our government uh, that said, you know, what can we do to maximize this for political benefit? And how do we how do we get the most mileage out of it to trash Trump along the way? So I think that's always been a theme of theirs is to try and say, you know what, we're going to use Trump's bravado against him in a way where we're going to make it look like he's some sort of nut job. But in reality, I look at Trump for his record as president. Here's a guy who spent, I don't know, who authorized a seven hundred billion dollar. I think it was seven hundred billion dollar budget for military spending to bring the military up to par again because it was really um, falling behind and didn't start a single war, right? So he figured out how to keep the military-industrial complex happy by buying the stuff that they, you know, that they, they want you to buy, and he did, and and still not going to war and using, you know, Twitter, Little Rocket Man, you know, you're going to die like a dog, all these great tweets that he's put out, right? Um, and being judicious, in my opinion, of how he uh, how he doled out his foreign policy. And um, we, what was the result? Peace in the Middle East, right? The Abraham Accords, you had five Arab nations that uh, signed on to a, a peace accord with Israel. So you look at that, and I think... Man, uh, as much as people want to say, oh, we would be in World War III with Trump or without Trump, blah, blah, blah. The reality was he's one of the most pacifistic presidents we've ever had. He really is. He's, an, he's, a, not, he's not a war kind of guy. And uh, so I think people who are looking for that peaceful approach, they'll find it. Now, does he have, you know, spicy rhetoric? Yeah, I think uh, plenty of it. And his attorney was on with Chuck Todd, and we'll play that audio in a little bit. But he basically uh, told Chuck Todd when he says, you know, would, would you advise your client to say things like that or tweet images of him holding a bat next to, you know, superimposed next to an image of the New York prosecutor, Alvin Bragg? And he says, 
he says, listen, I'm not Trump's uh, social media manager, but I think it was an ill-advised post and, and he took it down. So uh, I, that part of it, and I think that's what you're talking about. And, and I think uh, the, the other post that I was referencing was, uh, this is a direct quote from Trump where he says, what kind of person can charge another person in this case? Let me do it in my Trump voice, if you don't mind, Doc. What kind of person can charge another person in this case, a former president of the United States who got more votes than any sitting president in history and leading candidate by far for the Republican Party nomination with a crime? when it's known by all that no crime has been committed and also known that potential death and destruction in such a false charge could be catastrophic for our country. Why and who would do such a thing? Only a degenerate psychopath that truly hates the USA. So again, uh, very cleverly crafted. He's a wordsmith. The media wants to uh, pick up on death and destruction, but it's clear. Known that potential death and destruction in such a false charge could be catastrophic for our country. And I think what he's saying is you're seeing the death and destruction uh, of politics as, we, as we've known it, the death and destruction of people running for pol- for office uh, unobstructed by the government. That's dead and it's been destroyed. That's how I read it. But again, I get how the media gets very sensationalistic. Is that the word I'm looking for? And goes for it and and really um, and tries to paint Trump uh, as something that, in my opinion, that he's not. Uh, and seldom do we have the chance. I'll leave you with a final thought. I um, when we had Trump on this program a couple of uh, eight weeks ago or whatever, um, I, ha- I I get my coffee at this Cuban place as I share with you often. And this guy's no fan of Trump, but he listened to the show last night that night. And he told me the next day, he said, I got to tell you, I feel like you had a body double on your show. The guy you had on was measured. He was calm. He was collected. He made a lot of sense and he was very affable. I, I, I could I could vote for a guy like that. He said, but that's not the Trump I see on TV. And I said, that's exactly my point. The Trump you see on TV is a construct of the media, not really who he is. You want the real Trump? Listen to the interview that we did, and we'll have him on again. Anyway, Doc, thanks you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Excuse me. And uh, we're going to get to your calls and more straight ahead. It's 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. She identifies transgender. She does uh, identify as transgender, yes. All right, that is Police Chief Metro Nashville Police Chief John Drake uh, asked if the suspect identified as transgender. He says, yes, she does. There's been some backlash there, apparently, because he said she. People think that this was a biological male that was identifying as a female, but uh, the post-millennial is reporting that it is a a biologically born female uh, that uses male pronouns. Uh, So that is the the latest on that one. Uh, Let us continue with your calls. It is Open Phone America, of course. Let's go to Michigan. Check in with Kim, KDKA. Welcome, Kim. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. A lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Oh, you betcha. 
Um, what I wanted, two things I wanted to talk about real quick is, um, the, of course, the school shooting. And um, the schools were, until the COVID and the school shutdowns, parents didn't know what was being taught in the schools. They didn't know that these schools wanted to transition kids and get them shots and get them surgeries and, and, and do it all behind the parents' back. They didn't know about CRT. All this came out when parents could look in on the computer screen. Yeah. And I'm, af- I'm afraid if these schools around the country keep buttoning into stuff that's none of their business, there might be more of this because this woman, granted she's 28 and it, it ended at sixth grade at that school, but we don't know how long they've been um, promoting this trans stuff, you know? And the other thing I wanted to bring up, that rep, that racist rep Crockett. Um, oh, Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Isn't she something? Nobody told, huh? Isn't she something? Oh, she was something. Is she, she's, is she black? I don't know. I only had the audio. Okay. Oh, me, me too. Um, well, what I wanted to say is maybe nobody told her that all the people that were murdered on January 6th were white people, and they were killed mostly, almost entirely, by black metropolitan cops. And um, the, the black lieutenant guy that stuck his arm out in the hall, he didn't yeah. want to be identified. The one that beat Roseanne Boylan with a flag until she died, she goes, is she dead yet? Is she dead? Oh, and, I haven't seen that. That's a, I've got to check yeah. out that video. And her, her cohorts, they took a picture. I saw it on the Internet. Fellow Metro cops, they were all had their hands on each other's shoulder, like high-fiving each other after she killed the woman. You know, it, this is so messed up. You know what I mean? Uh, I th- yeah, I think the whole thing is messed up. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there's a, a, an incredible amount of race baiting going on where we have to ask the questions like you're asking. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the suspect who was um, shot and killed uh, was was white. Uh, I don't know the, the congresswoman's race. And and it's, it's just crazy to see what is happening right now. But I've got a clip of my least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, AOC, and I want you to hear it. So don't go anywhere. More to come. Your calls and more straight ahead. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. of going on today of course uh, like i said there's uh this this school shooting tragedy and we'll continue to discuss that in the days to come trump is still not indicted let's see what happens tomorrow you know this makes planning the program a little bit difficult because you know you want to have the best guests available to break that down if and when it does happen and and it's hard because everybody's on standby and they're going here they're going there and you need time to make these things happen so it's always tough to predict the news but we will continue to keep our eyes peeled and our ears to the ground on what's going on. Now, in the meantime, 
All Out Crazy, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our least favorite congresswoman, at least my favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. She said, uh, let's see, let me just see what she said. She said something crazy. Let's see here, number 14 right here. I was just looking at it. This is a doozy. It's not 14. Which one is it? Anybody? Anybody? 21. 14, 21, you know, these are multiples of seven. Anyway, she says, predatory cisgender and oftentimes straight men are the ones after your kids. I'm surprised she didn't throw in white. <laughs> and, and she uh, clearly is protecting anyone uh, that is, you know, like today's shooter, you know, who identifies as transgender uh, or, or anybody else uh, from receiving any criticism uh, but it's it's the um, cisgender, and luckily, lucky for all of you, uh, she didn't say white men, but cisgender straight men. And I just find it so interesting how it's like you know the norm is always bad, and and the fringe is what's accepted. It's just the craziest thing ever. Listen to this. Many of these disgusting and insinuating attacks on trans and LGBT people are actually projections of what predatory cisgender and often straight men do when left alone in the presence of women or sometimes horribly children. So instead of getting you to challenge the patriarchy, they're trying to get you to challenge the very gender expressiveness that challenges patriarchy. Don't get it twisted because a lot of people attacking drag are projecting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me be the first to tell you that I don't attack drag, um, but I'm sure I could be um, described as, as one. Uh, I do attack the idea of, of drag shows that invite children. I don't think that's a thing. If you want to, like, again, when I was a kid, RuPaul was a drag queen. Uh, I'm an adult. RuPaul is still a drag queen. I've never, ever, you know, seen RuPaul try to market himself to children babies, all age drag brunch type of thing. I've never seen that, right? So I think, you know, it's unfair to label RuPaul or all drag queens as as groomers, but there seems to be a movement of groomers amongst, uh, you know, or within, I should say, the, the, the current drag community. But to say that those that attack drag are projecting, I mean, I would presume that she's trying to say that my taking exception to drag queens teaching, you know, or doing story time for, for kindergarten classrooms is somehow me actually wanting drag queens to do story time. Um, I think that's just asinine. Like what, what sense does it make? I, I don't see it. And trust me, it's not the case. And trust me, there are no, I'm not George Santos. There are no pictures of me dressed in drag. Or are there? No, yeah, no. There's definitely no pictures of that. Anyway, I just thought that was so interesting. And uh, we're going to get to your calls uh, and your reactions to AOC as well. Let's go to uh, Paul in Zanesville, Ohio, W-H-I-Z. Paul, go right ahead, brother. Hey, good evening, Rich. Uh, AOC, man, that woman's just crazy. I don't even know what to think about her. I don't she's even, all you know, out crazy. She's just out there. Yes, she is. Now, uh, Rich, I want to tell you that um, I've listened to Jimbo for five years, six years, but I want to tell you something. Don't, don't ever think that they would um, have any problem with you doing your own thing. You're doing a good job. I Thank appreciate you. it. 
Now, yes. Now I am um, about to. I've already started a new job, so I'm going to be having to get up early in the mornings, a lot earlier uh-huh. than I'm used to. Yeah. So I won't be listening to about the third hour anymore. I'm actually up a little later tonight than I want to be. As soon as I listen to uh, uh, the end of this show, I'm going to go to bed. But anyway, uh-huh. you, you hang right in there, man. You're you're great. And as far as uh, the with the schools. And here's what I think should happen, Rich. I done a six, 16 month stint as a custodian in a school. And I think that maybe they should start training custodians, cafeteria workers, uh, grounds crews to yeah. conceal carry or be able to carry a weapon, keep the doors locked. She came in <clears throat> an un- or an unlocked door, and that's how she got in there. Now, I was very vigilant in what I did you know, for the children to watch out over them. Now, there are some custodians that go, well, it's not my problem. You know, I'm just here to clean or whatever they do, you know. Um, But I think that there should be a push put on more school safety. You know, look, we don't have the money right now with police officers. We're in defund the police bowl. And um, let's let's, let's, um, arm people against these nuts. I'm sorry, Rich, they're nuts. Um, You know, uh, mental health, this is where it's at, Rich. I'm sorry. You know, it's not the guns. I'm for my Second Amendment. Don't come to my house thinking you're just going to bust in the door like the Gestapo. You're not going to do it because once you get three feet in that door, you're going to get blown back out. But, you know, I think that would solve a lot of the problems, and I feel so sorry for these children and for El Boboso Biden. And I love your mm-hmm. uh, uh, language, by the way. I'm Thank trying you, to bro. learn some of the words that you say. I'm trying to learn some of the words that you say. <laughs> you <know? laughs> We're going to put them on T-shirts. Yeah. This way everybody could learn them. <laughs> yeah, but I just think you're doing a fine job, man. You keep it up. I'll be listening as long as I can. I hope to be back with you next week. It's uh, going into Easter, I'm going. I'm I'm at a, I'm at a big box store now, so I'm going to be right. real busy. But I hope a lot of people call in and you do this man some uh, a good deed because he's good at what he does. Just listen to him, like Jimbo Hannon, uh, Larry King, Rush Limbaugh. Just listen, and you'll get an Thank education. You, Thank you, Rich. God bless you, Paul. I appreciate your kind words. Uh, it's very kind of you. And uh, good luck in the new job. Obviously, I want you to do well there. And as soon as you're able to tune back in, you can. And if not, make sure you listen to the podcast. You could subscribe to that at Rich Valdez America at night.com. Rich Valdez America at night.com. Yes, very long, but straight to the point. Uh, let us continue. Shall we? We shall. Let's go to Sarah, Bedford, Indiana, WBIW School. Uh, this is a comment on the school. Go right ahead, Sarah. Yeah, great to hear from you. Uh, well, I'm a custodian, so uh, uh, that guy is spot on, by the way. Uh, but anyway, what I want to say is, you know, they always go after Trump for his language about, you know, death and destruction, and he obviously didn't mean that literally. And yet, they ignore the fact that they are inciting people to violent acts on the left against perceived enemies in conservative circles. And the, the transgender shooter is a perfect example. The school that she used to go to and attack, to me, from the looks of it, is probably a conservative school because I noticed that the little girls wore skirts and they everybody wore uniforms. So I'm taking it that this is a private religious institution that has the kids dress in, you know, traditional yeah, gender. Yeah, parochial school type of uniform, okay. sure. So, yeah, so this is my theory and it's pure conjecture because I, I, I haven't read the manifesto. You can't find any of that. But I wouldn't wonder 
give. She left that school, later on in life decided she's transgender, and due to all the propaganda that conservative Christians are just the enemy and out to get you, I don't wonder if he didn't get some kind of rage thing going and decide to pay a visit back. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And if that does turn out to be the case, then all these leftists who want to demonize conservative Christians, they, they, they bear some responsibility for this, because they've got these kids just hating anything conservative, and they're the enemy, and they're out to oppress you, and they, they incite. They incite hatred, and you know, you, then you when know, they I, have the I, violence, the people. Mm? I think you're making a great point. And, and I just, this is the reason why I don't like to vilify the other side in, in terms of I hate them, they're my enemy. I, I try my best to not do that because of that reason, because I don't want to kill these people. I don't hate the left. I don't think that, you know, life is better. With, I, think, I think life is good with competition. I think life is good when you, you know, you, um, you have dialogue, you have discussion, and, and you have a free marketplace of ideas. And whoever's ideas are better will win. And sometimes their ideas win, and sometimes my ideas win. And, and I, I think that's what we need. And we can be adversaries in the court of public opinion or, you know, in Congress or wherever. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. There's a lot of ideas I don't like that I really do believe destroy the fabric and the history of this country. Uh, but I don't want to kill these people. I don't want them dead just because they disagree with me or because they believe in something that's different than what I believe in. I believe that I just have to work that much harder to let more people know why it's so important for us to hold on to our beliefs or to hold on to our traditions. And, and I think this is why, you know, as much debating as I'll do on TV or whatever it is, uh, I try not to, to make it personal because this is how people settle the score when it gets personal. They get crazy. And, uh, and crazy is not good for anybody, right? People ultimately get hurt along the way. Anyway, Sarah, thank you for your call. We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So we've got a queer professor that just realized that she also identifies as disabled. Yep, listen to this. So during a, a panel discussion on March uh, 6th, Professor Sammy Schalk of the University of Wisconsin, she uh, gave an account of an epiphany she had while researching disability studies. Before conducting the research, she did not think of herself as disabled. After, however... Shock realized there was part of her that knew that she had a disability similar to her self-realization that she was queer. Shock, uh, besides being a professor of gender and women's studies, describes herself as a polyamorous and pleasure activist. She's also twerked with Lizzo. Shock spoke with Velissa Thompson, a social worker at the City of New York Graduate Center, and on their YouTube channel about Shock's research and her book titled Black Disability Politics. 
That's a quote. <laughs> so she took this disability studies class and she says, and it blew my mind. Just fireworks were going off in my brain. I had just spent so much time thinking about race and gender and class and sexuality, and I had not been thinking about disability with the same critical lens, she said. Uh, so this was one of her first experiences in college. And then she said, I had to grapple with my own privilege within the disability system because at the time I didn't understand myself as disabled. <laughs> she continued, or then she added that there was a part of me that knew just like there was a part of me that knew that she was queer. Anyway, so uh, yeah, she read something that said that there are people with disabilities and boom, all of a sudden she was disabled. I don't know what to make of this one. We'll leave it to you, America. 8334-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Let us go to Robert in Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. What's up, Robert? Hi, Rich. I just wanted to say that um, I, I think the public has it pretty much wrong in this regard. Gay uh, shows of this kind were usual already. I remember, I think it was way back in 1974. I, the first club I remember to offer it was the um, Copa in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, diagonally across from the post office there. And um, I think the public really didn't catch on to it until probably decades later. But in those days, the hottest guys didn't usually get the plan even to get there until about midnight. That's when things got going. And, and there were certainly no little kids there at that time. I can assure you that that this is all trumped up stuff. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm well, no, that, and that's my point. I, I think drag queens have been around forever and, uh, and I've seen them forever. Like I was saying, RuPaul has been around since I was a kid and I'd never seen him involved with children uh, until all of a sudden now it's like, it, it's, it's almost hand in hand. Drag queens are with children. And, and I think that's the part that's problematic. And I think you're right. There's a history of this, you know, in, in the acting world, thespians and whatnot. But um, it, it just wasn't always a thing with children, Robert. Yes, yes. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, the people who are involved in children are a tiny, tiny fraction, uh, you know, the pedophiles. And um, I lived in Germany beginning in, uh, from 1988 till almost till 2008. Oh, I came back and forth until beginning in 2005. And in the German Democratic Republic, that would be communist East Germany in the area of Dresden, in other words, Saxony, um, what is today Saxony. Um, if, if a guy who was 18 went to bed with a guy who was 17 and got caught, uh, they would put him in jail for a really, really long time in, in East Germany. Because there, I, I know that there were guys who were, who were in there in prison, and, and one of them put an advertisement in the newspaper that he was looking for a pen pal. And that's the only way he really got contact with the outside world. So imagine wow. that as well. You see what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that happens here too. I mean, if, if there's a guy in high school that's 18 and, you know, he's a senior and he, he hooks up with a 17 year old who's a junior or maybe also a senior, but younger, uh, I've seen people get in trouble for statutory rape in some States. So, I mean, it, that's not a very far fetched idea, but thanks for your call, Robert. I appreciate it. And, <clears throat> According to the least reliable um, encyclopedia on the internet, Wikipedia, modern drag shows originated in the speakeasies and underground bars of the 1920s. So Robert was onto something here. And back in the 1930s uh, prohibition era, in what was known as the pansy craze, uh, drag became part of gay culture and a form of entertainment usually enjoyed by, get this folks, drum roll. Enjoyed by adults in bars. 
for example, the famous gay bar Stonewall. So there you have it. Uh, I think that's always been the case with drag. And all of a sudden now they want to teach it in kindergarten. Your calls and more. I see we've got calls from Florida and a few other places. We're going to get to you momentarily. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, let's go to Pensacola, Florida, WCOA, and check in with our buddy Rick. Rick, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hello, Rich. Thank you very much. And yes, sir. Uh, I'd just like to say kudos to you, man. You sure have a lot on your plate. I mean, you're <laughs> taking, well, not taking the place, but you're filling in and doing a great job for Rush's spot. And plus, you're Mr. Producer, and plus you have this going on, too. So, hey, you know, I think you're doing great handling well, all thank that. thank you. It's an honor to to, to, to be here. And uh, Jimbo was, was fantastic, and I appreciate the kind words. And, of course, it was great being Mr. Call Screener. But I'm here with you, and tell me what's on your mind quickly because we're going to run out of time. Okay. Uh, well, as far as all this gay stuff I was hearing, uh <laughs> Them people would have been better off staying in the closet, I think. Oh, boy. That's my opinion. <laughs> and did you have an opinion on, on uh, the 2024 election? Uh, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, uh, they're both would be great candidates. But in my opinion, I You're think, saying um, Donald Trump and Governor DeSantis? Right, right. Yeah. Uh I think Governor DeSantis should finish his term here and let Trump, I think he's got a chance to win himself, but let Trump get back in the race. And if Trump could win, that's why they're doing all this stuff to him because they're scared right. of him. They don't want to have, you know, they don't want him to been there. They don't want to have him have a chance to even show them what they've got. Hey, listen, I think you're right. I think uh, Florida deserves uh, their governor, and I think Governor DeSantis is a terrific governor. I also think that uh, President Trump's already in the race, and should uh, DeSantis need to get into the race, then hey, go for it. And I think that he's well positioned to do that both now and in 2028. So I think um, uh, we'll see if he even declares it. It's getting close. Anyway, hasta la próxima. Until the next time. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate your call. Call back again soon. Take care. Good night and God bless. That was tonight's Open Phone America. I'll see you again. We'll do it again tomorrow. America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.